Hi, guys, girls, and non-binary pals. Welcome back to Shush Periods. Today, we're talking about gay stuff. Yay! Well, specifically, yay! <laughs> yeah, okay. oh, yay. Amazing. So, yes, thank you. We are joined by two international guests. You all want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Ibtisam. I am not an old friend of Shetaz's. I'm from Bangladesh, but I'm currently living in the UK. I am Tom. I'm from the UK. I'm bi. I'm James. I'm not international. And I'm queer. And I'm Miss Hawk. And I wrangle these three gentlemen to talk on my podcast because they love me. So I was doing some casual research on LGBT youth and sexual violence. And by casual, I mean how much of the LGBT community is affected by violence, especially sexual violence. From the Human Rights Campaign, one statistic I remember is that two-thirds of LGBT women and trans women will experience some form of sexual violence by the time they are an adult. And a big indicator of the sexual violence that LGBT youth experience is, did they experience it in their childhood? And the common answer is yes. That got me thinking as a teacher, how is this happening? My only experience of any type of sexual education in Bangladesh was my sixth grade biology teacher saying, and today we will be talking about, and then just looking really surreptitiously around the room and then just go, today we will talk about genitals. And then she just goes, read this chapter in your book. If any of you have questions, I will see if I want to answer them and go. I had sex ed in year four, which for America would be third grade. I know. Oh, and just for the lols as well. I went to a Catholic school and I got taught this in third grade. Was it all boys? No, it was mixed. A co-ed Catholic school? Wait, question. Did they separate the boys? No, we all got taught in the same room. We watched a very awkward cartoon (laughs) of a man and a woman doing the dirty. The boys got taught the same things as the girls did. So boys got taught about periods and girls got taught about wet dreams, etc. Well, in middle school was the first round of sex ed that I had. And it was our gym teacher. And basically he just kind of like talked us through, I guess, partially puberty about the changes and also a little bit about like the idea and concept of sex and basically he was just like if it happens contraceptive but don't let it happen the semi same thing happened in high school but it was just with like a biology teacher and in her case her a lot of what she was saying was literally just like uh, talking a lot more about std she's like put it this way you want to be protected because it was basically like um if you get an STD, they're going to shove a needle up your dick and scrape it raw and then you'll probably, and then your dick will probably fall off, which was really like the TLDR of that. I think being gay is an interesting, being gay in Bangladesh is an interesting experience with this because uh, for listeners who don't know, it is currently still illegal to be gay in Bangladesh. But what has happened as a result of that though is that the community does a really good job of teaching each other so sex ed formal sex ed was absolutely rubbish but when i properly accepted my sexuality and i started feeling part of the community 
I actually got taught loads of things in in like really safe ways, like, you know, being told about condom use, being taught about what does uh, what does male on male penetration mean? Um, what does what what happens if you as a cisgender person are having sex with someone who's trans? What does that mean for your identity? So it was a very complete education in that sense. But the only reason we have that is because people generations before me struggled through that without any type of support and decided I'm not going to let the next batch of baby gays go through this. Tom, did y'all also learn about consent culture? And was was that enough for you to know what a valid sexual experience. They really didn't touch on it too much. They just sort of went, both people have to consent, but it wasn't very clear what that means because if someone says nothing, is that consent or is it not? It was a very much a gray area. Now, from general life, I would say I got a lot more from about consent from YouTube videos. There's a guy called Charlie is So Cruel Like who um, made an example, uh, like a comparison of drinking tea and sex that's so british that is so british but it it works it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't force someone to drink a cup of tea so you wouldn't force someone to have sex and if you make someone a cup of tea and they then decide not to finish it that is is also part of consent exactly and then for my lgbt plus kids they're i think more normalized to being um forced into situations that they don't want to be in situations with like a sexual overtone and they're like well because people assume that i am promiscuous or i'm down to do these things because i'm gay or queer or bi if i don't do it then you know i have to do it and i'm like you don't have to do anything you don't want to do but the assumption that people think lgbt people are promiscuous or they're down to do whatever i'm like that's hella problematic like our existence as human beings is so defined by this one act for me kind of discovering my sexuality in the uk i mean uh, like i said i got some really fantastic support from the queer community in bangladesh in terms of being taught about sex ed but in terms of actually questions about what sex is for the validity of my identity, that was something I struggled with for a very long time. Particularly disheartening for me as an adult and as a teacher when I have my I have the young folks experience trauma or confusion or sexual experiences that were, you know, not entirely positive but they don't know how to ask or how to advocate for themselves or to assert their own efficacy. And then they carry that with them into their college years or whatever, post-grad years. It's no adult truly sits down and talks to them at that real formative stage in their life and explains like, you might not experience sex the way other people around you might experience sex. And there is no one way to experience your first, to have your first sexual experience. Yeah. More in college and then I guess more throughout my journey through queerness of just the importance of consent in its whole. And it feels like, I guess not a shade at straight culture, but the fact that it is such, it barely matters there. It, it seems in such a highlight in so many cases, especially in like high school and whatever, people just kind of letting these things happen or people being uncomfortable with after the fact of things happening in a sexual environment but 
everyone being like that's just the norm which i think is really weird have y'all ever talked about boundaries in sex ed because we never did oh no no like we never talked about someone invading your personal space we never talked about someone invading your like mental well-being like dad bubble yeah and then it becomes it becomes our fault then it becomes the fault of the person whose boundaries have been transgressed rather than the person actually doing the transgressing. Correct. And because women and LGBT individuals are more likely to be at the receiving end of sexual violence, it becomes both our fault for inviting, quote unquote, that type of attention and then for allowing it, quote unquote, to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, at no point of this interaction was it the fault of the victim. So y'all can miss me with that bullshit. Um, anyway... That's our episode for today for my LGBT listeners, my baby gays and days. Thank you to Ibtisam and Tom. Cheers. Thanks for having us. And thank you, James. You're welcome. Oh, my God. Like, you're not even sitting five inches away from me. The caucasity. It's a joke because James is not. Yeah, yeah, no. no, Got it. Okay. Well, the listeners don't know. Anyway. Thank you, everyone, um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Au revoir.